clear of the closing doors, please. Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, and on YouTube. Also, don't forget, you can actually watch on YouTube. Um, obviously, you can watch on YouTube, Peter. You can watch on Spotify as well. So if you listen to podcasts on Spotify, some of them have videos. Subway Sports Talk has videos. So if you want to watch along on Spotify, feel free to do so. Don't forget to subscribe and review. The whole nine, you know what to do. You're listening to these words. You're here to talk about the Knicks. You're here to listen to some Knicks talk, I should say. Joining me, Alec Argento. Who else would join me for a New York Knicks preview than Alec? This might be our fifth one in the history of this podcast. So, Alec, welcome to the show. It's Knicks season, baby. Sup? Suh is right. It's been a while since we got a suh from Alec on the podcast because the baseball season was horrible. And you and I haven't spoke about the Giants or football in general on this podcast yet. So we'll get to that too. But I don't get that? invited. I don't get invited to football podcasts. Just throwing that out there. Never have, never will. I wouldn't say never have. I think it's much more likely for you to be invited to talk football in congruence with the Knicks. You're my Knicks guy. You're yeah, my. That's okay. You're I'm, my I'm, go-to guy for New York Knicks basketball as much right. as possible, and that coincides with a good chunk of the Giants season. So you definitely speak Giants and football a few times a year. When I can get a word in edgewise, I throw a little Giants out there. I'm just not trusted for Giants talk. I get it. I'm too much of a homer. I think that's incorrect. I think you actually lap me on certain Giants stuff. But you are a homer sometimes. <laughs> so how do you feel about – if you want to go there. All right, let's go there. Before the season started, you and I were walking to play pickleball, correct? Mm-hmm. And I was, I was being a little skeptical. I was being that type of Giants fan that you don't like very much, wasn't I? Mm-hmm. And how the do you feel Giants about fan. that right now after the Giants got their second win? Second decent game in a row. But how are you feeling about my skepticism now? I I don't I, I I think that there's it's like a moot point because this season has been mired in our entire salary cap being injured the entire season mm-hmm. so you can't just it, it it all goes to the wind so when you have At and Saquon out already and Daniel Jones out immediately throughout the entire game and you're saying Daniel Jones sucks like he might suck but like you can't say that for sure when you have no offensive line they're mm-hmm. getting Justin Pugh off the couch and they're throwing it out there and like. When we win games, it's by fourteen point. It's like fourteen to seven or whatever it is. And there's a ton, to, ton of mental errors. So like, I just don't think you can judge any. It's like a lost season, and especially after if you if you beat the Bills, which they should have, like objectively they should have. If Tyrod Taylor remembers how the game of football is played with the first half, and you know, and, and the play calls are a little bit better at the end, and whatever the case is, then you're looking at three and four. Three and four is very easy to convince myself with the schedule that they've had um, that there is still a shot at the season of them making the playoffs. Like incredibly easy, especially knowing that Andrew Thomas is coming back, Saquon's playing again, Daniel Jones is coming back probably next week. Like it's just a lost season off of injuries again, as it is every season with injuries. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I your your skepticism is like okay. Yeah, you're right. They're two and five, and that sucks. But they could have very easily been three and four, and then we wouldn't be worried as much about this conversation. I agree with a lot of what you're saying in the in the idea that the season feels moot because of what like how it's actually played out, right? So you look at all the games that they've lost so far to this point. They weren't supposed to beat almost all those teams. The only one that was within range that they should have won before the game started, right? Entering the game, 
that they could have won very reasonably was the Seahawks. It happened to be one of their worst performances of the year. But a win's a win, a loss is a loss. You can't, you know, sugarcoat whatever a win or a loss is. It is what it is. The Niners, the Bills, the Cowboys, like those were all expected losses from like a Vegas standpoint, whatever look you want to look at, stats you want to look at. So it all makes sense to me. And that was part of my skepticism because it wasn't just that they sucked or Daniel Jones sucked because that wasn't my point. I actually, even for what I was skeptical about, they've underperformed my expectation based off of their lackluster performances. It's just also kind of played out how you could have guessed, which is why the season's not completely lost yet. It's just not likely they can get to a playoff spot, a position of power in the NFC, just because there's other teams that are better. That was what really made me nervous is that there were other teams I just liked more than them. And the main ones were the C- not including the, the runaway division favorites, like the Eagles and um, the 49ers, the teams that are, I thought were better than them were the 49ers were the Cowboys. I'm sorry. were the Seahawks were the Cowboys. And I think today you still look at those two teams as clearly better than the giants. However, can they be that third team? Can they be that final team to make it right. into the NFC wildcard position. It's possible. It's totally possible. And I think people are going to want to take back some of the BS that, that took place over the first six weeks because the schedule is going to light a clear up. They're good at playing against mediocre to below average competition. And if, like I said, two weeks ago on this podcast, if they beat the commanders jets Raiders and then commanders and Patriots again in a couple weeks, what all of a sudden they have six wings, six wins with like four weeks left and a chance to make the playoffs. Are we going to start saying that the season was a success? I don't know, but this is almost just what I expected. Yeah. I, I just don't, I, I don't think it's fair to say it's what you expected when these injuries are immediate. It's week, right. Like the, week one. The win loss is what I expected, not the actual performance because the performance is disappointing for sure. Yeah. I mean, but like, you know, it, it's, chicken or egg and it is what it is i mean you're just you, those, you, those are going to be scheduled losses when you have what you have i will say again the competition has been mediocre for the past two weeks like the bills are not they're not playing well i mean just objectively speaking they're not pay, playing well but the offensive line is starting to get better which is what you hope after um such a poor start and no congruency between them you got to hope that Andrew Thomas is going to come back and be Andrew Thomas that Saquon's playing like Saquon right now. And then Daniel Jones is going to be an upgrade over Tyrod Taylor. Cause he just objectively is. And, and um, I know Tyrod Taylor won a game, but let's stop acting like Tyrod Taylor is incredible because he won a game. He beat the, the commanders and he scored 14 points, scored two touchdowns. Um, and the offensive line is just better. It's, it's just been better than it has been, especially with Justin Pugh being added to it. So um, that's my biggest thing. And, is all- and Evan Neal being subtracted from it last week. Yeah, but I'm so sick of these boneheads, like all these talking pieces of like Tyrod Taylor should be starting. Like, dude's 34. Yeah. And if like all these things of like, well, we know what we know what Daniel Jones is like. We know what Tyrod Taylor is. He's 34 years old. He's been in the league. He's, you know, he's not going to make the team better. Why don't we don't need him as a stopgap? And it's driving me insane because it's all the talking pieces right now. After he scored two touchdowns, that's all he did. He scored two touchdowns in a game and he lost us the game the week before. So, (laughs) yeah. And also in those, what, 10 years of him being in the NFL, he is legitimately a 500 quarterback. Like he is now 27, 26 and one after the win against the commanders, 27, 26 and one. That is a sample size people, right? Like 
He's not bad. I like Tyrod Taylor. I root for Tyrod Taylor. I've rooted for him before. For some reason, I've always just been drawn to him. I hated what happened to him in L.A. with the Chargers when he didn't even get to start there, and he was supposed to. He won the job and then didn't. So it is what it is. But to say that Tyrod Taylor clearly gives the, uh, the Giants a better chance every week is too far for me as well. For what Tyrod Taylor is better at than Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is better at Tyrod Taylor at other things. So you can't pretend that, yes, Tyrod's a little bit more sound uh, decision-maker. He puts the ball in harm's way a little bit less. These things are true. He also can't turn um, a 15-yard run into a 40-yard run, which Daniel Jones can do. He also doesn't um, push the ball downfield with as much aggression when Daniel Jones does it, even though he has been looking good on some of the deep shots, the Jalen Hyatt and et cetera. But history shows Daniel Jones is really good at that, just hasn't had the chance to do it. And we also have to be fair and honest with ourselves. The commander's defense has been a sieve this year. Yep. And he put up two touchdowns. What does Daniel Jones do against the commander's defense? We haven't seen it. We've only seen Daniel Jones play against the uh, Cowboys, who are one of the best defenses in the league. The 49ers, one of the best. The um, the Seahawks, who have complete playmakers and big-time uh, players on the defensive side, even though they're decent. And we saw him play the Cardinals. And guess what? Bad first half, awesome second half. So you can't even really knock him for that one too much, even though it was a bad first half. So to say Tyrod is clearly the way the way to go here, he's going to put the Giants in the playoff conversation, that's ridiculous too. That just means people made their mind up on Daniel Jones already and they're over it. But to act like he's so clearly better, I agree, is way too far and way too much. You And I, I hate to say it because it's like you're five for Daniel Jones, but like jury's still out on him because he has yet to have a consistent offensive, uh, offensive line. If he can achieve that, then we'll have a better understanding. He very well could suck. I, I think he's shown enough to me where if you could just get a competent, not even a good offensive line, but if you get a competent offensive line, he's going to be a competent quarterback. I'm not saying he's going to be Josh Allen or something like that, but I think history has shown that if he could have more than a fifth of a second to throw to throw the ball, he could be a pretty decent quarterback, especially with what he can do with his legs. And we're going to get to the Knicks here in a minute, but I just want to say this. I mean – about time that Jalen Hyatt is getting real snaps, Big real time. targets, Big time. real work. He is almost definitely the most explosive pass catcher on the team. Easily. And w- I would w- say Wandale looks great too. Wandale's looked a lot better, and he's still not like an over-the-top type of guy, mm-hmm. Wandale. He'll do it occasionally, but he's more inside mm-hmm. the numbers, the quick yep. routes and stuff like that. Hyatt has serious over-the-top speed. He also has shown great chops on on the intermediate game and like just looked he's just looked really good yeah i don't know how else to say it when this guy's on the field he looks really freaking good and it was flabbergasting to all of us giants fans the first five weeks of the season where he's getting between you know zero and 12 snaps a game it's like what what are we missing is paris campbell going to change this offense like what's going on here my whole thing is like teams try to prove that their offseason was worth it sometimes too much that they, they figured out the new scheme that's going to be the perfect scheme for X quarterback or X running back or defense or whatever. Oh, this offseason signing is going to be the game changer for us. Paris Campbell was undervalued signing. Like, no. How about the guy you picked in the draft who looks like the best receiver might be the best receiver? We get him some freaking looks because rookie receivers are crushing it all across the NFL every single year. Every year. And now he's getting targets and he's making crap happen. And I love to see it. So I'm thrilled to see Jalen Hyatt getting some juice uh, in a lot of these games and just being on the field more. He needs to be on the field. 100%. Any, plus one. Any words on the Giants before we move to the Knicks? Anything else you want to get off your chest? 
no, uh, season's over, but it'll be nice uh, to watch them play if they can play competently uh, now that they have a team back and I don't have to like waste my Sundays doing that. But the Knicks are back, so I, I'm sure that'll, that'll double up on some of my Sundays going forward. If the Giants beat the Jets and the Raiders, okay, and they are four and five, entering week uh, 10, right? Yep. Because this is week eight, Raiders will be week nine. If they're four and five, entering week 10, going to Dallas, are you remotely back in? No, because they haven't beat Dallas in like 30 years. So, well, so let's just, I'm going to do this game kind of with the, with the Knicks here in a minute here. Let's just play this game for fun before we move on. Jets. If they can win, which we'll do a prediction at the end here, say they beat the Jets, say they beat the Raiders, they lose to the Cowboys, they are now four and six. Okay, they play then the Commanders, Patriots, Packers, and Saints the next four games. Are you more in now? Are you back in a little bit now? That's the Giants play that, or that's the Jets that's, schedule? That's the Giants schedule, dude. Uh, I'm in, but like it's four and six going into a scheduled loss is four and seven. Right? No, no, no. And, I counted six. That was the loss to the Cowboys. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they have five losses it's, right it's, now. That, it's going to depend, though. Because, like, I can't say anything until I see what Daniel Jones and Andrew Thomas look like on the field together. Right. Like, I just can't. Because uh, they, this team is a dumpster fire on, at offensive line. It looks to be getting better, especially yeah. if you can Andrew, add Andrew Thomas back in there. But, like, until Daniel Jones can have more than a second to throw the ball, this team's going to look right. like dog shit. It's going to continue to look Saquon. Better. And he needs Saquon, which right. is also facts. He and, didn't have Saquon for three of his starts. And that's like part of the reason Tyrod Taylor has options out there and that he has the ability to throw to man, to man coverage to Jalen Hyde, uh, uh, you know, outside the lines. Like that's yeah. that hasn't been available to Daniel Jones because Saquon has been hurt. If I can see Daniel Jones put up a touchdown or two next week, if he's playing, it looks like he's going to play. I might mm-hmm. be back in. <laughs> but if right. we're watching, touch- what we're... Can, we, can we get a guy to throw two touchdowns in a game? I mean, he doesn't do it very frequently. We just need, we need it. We need it. I don't, so need, bad. Him th- I don't need him to throw. Actually, I don't want to see him throw. I want to see him rush, rush a touchdown in and like a that good shows rush. he's healthy, whatever it shows that he's healthy. And I want to see him pass one in. I want two touchdowns. I'd like to see one of them to run. If I see that I'll convince myself of anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And Cody O'Connor said it the best. He's like, that's uh, the guy on the pod last week. He was talking about the Giants and being a fan, he goes, yes, I am thinking about what the Giants' future is going to hold, but also I, I will never give up a Sunday, and fans will show mm-hmm. up, real fans will show up, and mm-hmm. root for their team every Sunday. And I'm telling you, I'm more skeptical than most Giants fans probably, maybe not most, but a lot of Giants fans probably, if they are 4-6 and six after the game at Dallas in Week 10, Commanders, Patriots, Packers, Saints, the next four games, I will be keeping a very close eye on the standings, much closer to the Giants' standings than I ever was so far this season. And I predicted this two weeks ago on a podcast I did all by myself, saying everyone thinks the Giants are absolute garbage. They suck. They're going to be a joke the whole year. Their schedule is playing out exactly how Vegas would have predicted it so far to this point. So we can't even sit here and say, oh, they should have beat the Niners. Like, no, you shouldn't have said that. Could they have played better? Yes. Should they have played closer to the Seahawks? Yes. But if they beat, the mediocre teams or the bad teams on their schedule, they could end up with seven wins, which will be problematic if they don't get to eight, nine wins and make the playoffs and end up with a bad pick and et cetera. Classic Giants. So that's that's the downside of it all. But there's a chance we're watching the games a lot closer in November and December than we would have expected. Well, I'll say one thing. I agree with Cody uh, in the fact that I will never root for a loss. I just won't do yeah, it. I, can't I don't do believe, it. I don't do believe it. in tanking as, as a Knicks fan. 
I watched us try to do that, try to try to lose, and it mattered not. They sucked at it too. They sucked it. Yeah, there's it's so there's so much that's out of your control, and winning begets winning, right? That, that's how you create a culture. You don't want to be the team that just sucks forever until you hopefully one day luck into winning. Brian Dable, what we lauded him for last year is that he was able to build a winning culture, right? And you don't and want be aggressive, that. exactly. And you don't want that to be a start and stop. You don't want that to be, hey. We, we started off really slow. Guess we should just give up on the season, trade all of our assets as, as soon as there's a sign of trouble. Because, like, there's teams in the NFL that, like, start off really slow and they run the table, right? They, they just win eight games in a row. It happens every couple of years a team does that. And who knows? It could be you. It's probably not going to be, but you don't want the team to think that because right. they, there's 70 to 80% of that team's coming back next year. And you don't want that to be the culture around that, those, those parts. It's basically just the opposite of what happened last year. They started 6-1. and one. They kind of muddled That's their way through the rest thinking. of the season. And then maybe they'll do the opposite this year. We shall see. But on to greener pastures. Let's talk about the New York Knicks. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Alec Argento. Time for our New York Knicks preview. What a time to be alive. We're talking Knicks basketball, and we're excited to do so. Now, let me be clear. We've been excited for every single Knicks preview we've ever done. We've probably talked ourselves into some bad teams we probably talked ourselves a little too high up on some mediocre teams. But today, Alec and I sit here, I believe, with some really clear heads on our shoulders, thinking about this team, realistic expectation, and the idea of watching a competent, competitive franchise work throughout an 82-game season and be respected as high-level competition, not just in their division, not just in the East, but across the NBA, as a team who could compete with everybody a team with all-star talent, and a team with depth. So with that being said, their number is 46 and a half, 47 and a half. Let me double-check that in a minute. But Alec, the next season starts tonight since this is dropping on Wednesday. And I have to imagine what I just said rings true for you as well. The excitement is real. The energy around New York is pretty real. So let me just ask an open-ended how you doing question. When it comes to the Knicks, Alec, how are you doing? I'm hyped. I mean, I've been watching this team be ass for a very, very long time. <laughs> and uh, it just talk about a winning culture. It seems like we've had that for the past, what, three out of the past four years uh, to it. Right. Is that is that accurate? And um, or two out of the last three years, um, two out of the last three, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Just the team's fun, dude. It's just fun. There's nothing worse than watching a boring, bad team like the Giants have been for forever, right? When they're bad, they're not fun bad. They're just boring bad. They're, you know, the Knicks are like at, at a good expectation range, which nobody's expecting them to win the whole thing, which is fun, right? You don't have to feel disappointed if they don't win the championship. You have a team with incredibly rootable and likable dudes across the board who play hard. There's a culture there. You added guys. You yeah, you lost Obi, which stings a little bit, but it was the right thing to do. And you know, it, it just as a as a guy on the team, but you, but you got another Nova guy in there to create that chemistry, and he's exactly what we need—a a defensive, like a three and D guy, true three and D guy. And I don't know, man. I'm just excited. I'm excited because this team's gonna be fun to watch all year. They're gonna show up every night. They're not gonna take games off. You know, you're gonna get. 70 plus games out of everyone on this roster almost definitely and what's even more exciting too is that like i truly think this is the year that they make the move i think that they do it before the deadline 
whatever that move is. Um, I think they're gearing up for it, which is why they didn't give IQ the the uh, the, the extension because his contract still is substantially more tradable where it's at now, get, uh, by letting him just hit re- restricted free agency. You have Fournier, which is the perfect salary dump uh, uh, contract to go out there, and you just have assets across the board. So um, it'll factor into my my uh, my like my hot taker or my expected standings that we have later on. But I don't know. I just think this is the year where they take a big swing. I don't expect them to win a championship, but like it's what like they've been gearing up for something for the past couple of years, and I think this is the year that they do it. So that number is actually forty-four and a half. I'm seeing on DraftKings right now, which I I could have sworn it was it was higher. I I think it might have actually been higher. I don't know if it changed. I thought it was forty-six and a half. I would have guessed forty-five and a half, if not forty-six. But right now, DraftKings forty-four and a half over minus one twenty, which is standard odds. If you want forty-five and a half, it's plus one plus one ten. Uh, so they're right in that range: forty-four, forty-five, forty-six, depending on where you look, depending on when you got it. That number is reasonable. For many reasons, one of which last year uh, they won right in that range of games, right? So last year the the New York Knicks won 47 games. They went over that 44 and a half number. A lot of people think that they got better overall. Um, a lot of people think that they are now more of a mainstay in the Eastern Conference with a full season again of Jalen Brunson and Randall and Mitchell Robinson's healthy uh, for now. At least he's probably the only one you're really concerned about injuries. Um, Barrett quickly, you kind of went through it. Josh Hart, a full season of him. Obviously their season completely kind of flipped last year when he joined the squad. They got depth. We talked about them in the playoffs last year as a team that needed to win on strength and numbers. That was not the case when the offense kind of hit a wall against the Miami heat, which that loss is a lot better now than it was at the moment because of what the heat did throughout the rest of the playoffs. The Knicks, man, they are one of those teams that if they're, in, in the past, if their floor was a low-level play-in team, I think this year we could say confidently that their floor should be the sixth seed. I agree. And that sounds crazy to say because the Knicks haven't done it for five years. They haven't been a team like the Celtics and the Sixers who are winning 50 games with a blink of the eye. They haven't been. And they probably would be out kicking their coverage to win 50 games again this year, but they truly are expected to be in that high 40 range. And it's not just New York Knicks flash in the pan media overhype because a lot of times the national media, which I always like to look to, to balance out my New York takes to see what they're saying, what they're thinking about. Cause a lot of times people in New York can be all excited about their team. And then you look around the, the country and people are like, yeah, the Knicks might win 40. They might win 39. They might win 41. No, this year people around the, entire country in the NBA sphere are talking about the Knicks as a team who should be a number four, number five seed. Absolutely. So to that, it's extremely exciting to their depth. It's extremely exciting. All the things that you kind of just mentioned there. So we're going to go through some of the other teams that they're going up against, but I do want to ask you this, Alec, out of the newcomers for the New York Knicks, not that there's a ton of them, but you know, there's, there's a few new pieces and I kind of want to throw Josh Hart into that range. Cause it's, say. it's a, yeah, it's it's you know it's more realistically it's really just Dante Divincenzo and Josh Hart. But now that we have them for a full season, who excites you more as the new mainstay in this rotation? Is it Hart or is it Divincenzo? I mean, it's Hart. I mean, that guy is built for this city. He's built for this team. He does everything that. And there's like when I say built for it, like it's the only place I think in the NBA 
where he would be received as well as he will be for what he does, right? Where we will appreciate what he's doing, just the dirty work, just that 90s Knicks attitude, just getting every rebound, rebounding, out-rebounding centers and power forwards out there and um, getting steals and hitting the threes when he needs to. And it just always very timely, that clutch gene and everything like that. That being said, I'm excited about Dante. I want, to, I want people to like temper their expectations with him because he's not going to be like a game breaker, but he just fits the flow of this team. And, and I think that just goes – like this team works, right? And that, that, there's no pieces that you look at on this team that just don't fit, right? Last year you could say that about Obi, right? He just doesn't really fit on the team, that we were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole for what we needed and we were trying to find him to do something. We just don't have that right now. Everyone makes sense for this team. And – while there's only two newcomers, I look at that as like a gigantic positive. One of them is not even a real newcomer. We have consistency that we want for the first time. And I, as long as I can remember as a Knicks fan, really, where usually we would say, wow, they didn't make any moves. This sucks. This is what another what a wasted offseason that we had. Like, no, you have another team that's like the core age is like 25. You brought them all back. They're all on reasonable and tradable contracts. And they, the chemistry's there. There's an identity of the team. Like, say what you built will about Tibbs, but he's like, he's a top 10 coach in the NBA. Like, objectively speaking, he's a top 10 coach in the NBA. Um, and you're bringing all that back. And the more you play together, you know, the more you're going to gel again and, and just grow together. So I'm really excited about that. I think Josh Hart is definitely the key to this team. He was the key in the playoffs too. When he was on, we won. When he was off, we lost. Uh, and I think it'll be consistently like that uh, uh, this year as well. Yeah, the DiVincenzo side of it is really interesting because he is one of those players that you can easily overlook. You can easily overhype, right? You can kind of go either way with him. You know, if you watched him on those Bucks teams, you watched him on the Warriors last year, you can watch a certain game and be like, God, I just love what that guy does. Like, he just brings all this great stuff to the table. It's kind of like Josh Hart, which is why they make so much sense together. They do all these little things that make a positive winning impact. Where you will maybe not love him is that his stat line will not always be pretty, right? He's not going to average 19 points a game. That's not going to be his role. He's not going to be asked to do it, but occasionally he will just like Josh Hart. He's a better shooter than Josh Hart. He's probably a little bit better of a playmaker and passer than Josh Hart. Not as good as a de defender and a rebounder. So they, they make a ton of sense. And I got to be honest too, with the way this lineup is being shaken out at the moment, the expected starting lineup and the bench unit, I am thrilled that DiVincenzo and Josh Hart are coming off the bench. Because right now, and in the regular season where this really, really matters, the Knicks bench unit should be one of the best units in the entire NBA. And that's not hyperbole. That's not Nick's New York overreaction here. Think about their starters with Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, Randall, and Robinson. Very good unit. Probably isn't going to stand up to the uh, Giannis, Middleton, Lillard trio or the Tatum, Brown, Drew Holiday trio on an everyday basis from output standpoint. They'll be close and they can outplay them on any given night. But overarchingly, those top tier teams like the Bucks and Celtics have more top end talent where they do not come close. Well, the Celtics, you can maybe argue are a little closer, but where the Knicks outshine all those teams and where they clearly outshine the Cavaliers last year is that second unit is freaking awesome. Like Emmanuel quickly, DiVincenzo, Hart, any, take any wing from the starting, uh, starting five and Hartenstein. Like that's a five unit that would have been the Knicks starting five <laughs> in two, in 2017. Would have been better like than the starting five in 2017. <laughs> it would have been better than the Knicks starting five in five years ago, right? So 
to that, I'm extremely excited, and I want to go to Quentin Grimes next because I'm honored and thrilled. And to say honored is a weird thing, but I'm just happy to be a <laughs> Knicks fan to see him stay in this starting five because I think he has more upside than all those guys in the second unit. I think he's one of those dudes who you slot into any team in the NBA, and they're ecstatic to have him on their uh, on their roster. And the Knicks haven't had guys like that in the past. They haven't had the true three and D guy with some playmaking upside and some great defense who just lives in the rotation, does great stuff, shoots super well. I think that people are underestimating his ceiling, Alec. I think he won't be asked to be a 16-point-a-game guy this year, but he could be if we needed him to be. What's your expectation on Grimes? Do you think he takes one of those leaps that we see people take in year two, three of their NBA career? I think the Knicks think that. I think that's what they're pushing, right? I mean, you look at how he was in the preseason. He was taking shots that he's usually a little more afraid to take. And he's also not just settling for for threes, right? He was driving a lot more. He's always been good at like reading the ball. But, you know, usually what he'll do is he'll drive and then he'll kick out, right? Or he won't take the shot himself. He was being aggressive all preseason. I think that's exactly what the Knicks are game planning for with him. And I love to see that because he's just got, like you said, he's just got such a high upside. His his three-point shot, like, just in his form is incredible. Everyone knows that. His read of the game and, like, being able to put himself in the right spot is always correct. What he, do, what he does lack is like a level of aggression, right? So if he's not wide open, he doesn't take those threes, right? Like if he's got an inch of space, he's got to take those threes. And I think you saw that he had like, what was he, seven for eight from three in like the second preseason game. And obviously you don't expect that night in uh, and night out or anything like that. But just the fact that that's clearly an agenda, right? That's clearly what Tibbs and, and the coaching staff are saying, hey, this is what I want you to do when you see it. And then additionally, he's driving in and then he's taking tough shots around the rim too, which is not something he usually does. And then you obviously, you just don't worry about him on defense. He's an incredible defender. He's always, he's always defending the, uh, you know, the, the best shooter on the other side of the, uh, of the court. So I think his ceiling super high. I think his ceiling is super high and his fit on, on the team is kind of perfect because he doesn't command because you have, you have three guys on the, uh, on the starting lineup that command the ball, right? They, they, they need the ball to be effective, uh, uh, and then you have Mitch, who's an offensive stop, right? Like, uh, well, at least in a traditional sense. So him doing that and splitting it up a little bit is just kind of a match made in heaven. And kudos to the Knicks, again, for, like, finding this talent late in the draft. It's incredible. Yeah, from quickly to Grimes to Mitch, Miles McBride and Mitchell Robinson, like, all these guys are rotational players to starters. And, you know, Mitch we'll get to in a minute because his growth has been really great, and I think they're a different team when he's on the court. So Grimes is someone I'm super excited about. I I've made some lofty comparisons to his game in the past, and I think that's obviously too aggressive. But just from, like, a stylistic standpoint, he has the skill set to play, like, some of the top two guards in the NBA, who who are you mouthing at? Clay. He's got Clay. Clay. So that was in the, that when you were talking about him there as somebody who you want to see take those tough shots. Like Clay came to my mind. Yeah. Somebody else who came to my mind, and this is too lofty, right? So I'm never going to say he's going to be this guy. I say he could be 80 percent of this guy because this is probably a top 10ish player in the NBA. Like Devin Booker, right? Yeah. On from offensive standpoint. Yeah. Devin Booker is much better scorer, right? I'm not trying to say Grimes is going to start scoring 28 points a game. Mm -hmm. I'm not. But from a stylistic standpoint, he can do a lot of those things that Devin Booker does 100% of the game. He can do that for 50% of a game, mm -hmm. right? And those are things that 
non Knicks fans who aren't watching every week aren't seeing possible. Like those, when he attacks a closeout and makes a great dump off pass or finishes with a dunk or hits a mid range shot or hits a tough three, like he, he does that with more consistency than people realize. So again, he's not Devin Booker, not trying to make it seem that he could be Devin Booker, but the style in which he plays on offense reminds me of what Devin Booker does because people think Booker is just like a shooter. He's oh, almost just, I almost just left the website by accident. Uh, people think <laughs> Devin Booker's like this crazy shooter. All he does is shoot threes. He's not really that, right? He is a mid-range assassin. He's putting the ball on the ground. He's running pick and rolls. Grimes does some of that stuff, and people really miss that in his game sometimes. Um, we'll get to the stars with Brunson, Randall, and Barrett in a second, but let's talk Mitchell Robinson for a second as well. Is there is there something further in his game that we can expect, Alec? Do we think there's another step that he could take and will take at this point in his career, or is he just going to be the same extremely solid guy he's been? Uh, I mean, the one thing that you really hope from him is that he can get his free throws up, right? Um, and he apparently he has a new form that he's been working on in the entire offseason. I'm happy he's doing that and not taking, like, hook threes from the half quarter or something <laughs> like that that goes on his highlight reel. Um, but, like, if he can get that free throw perc- uh, percentage up to, like, 60 to 65%, that's low key a game changer for this team, right? Like that's that's gigantic. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to. I, I know that seems stupid, but like it's a small thing that could be incredibly impactful to this team's success, like throughout the season. Um, you know the the Knicks. What did they have? Like the, the second or third best offense in, in the NBA last year, which is weird when you th- when you think about it, because like oh they're not scoring, but it's because of Mitchell Robinson. Because although he's not a you know what we think of like, you know, a cat or a Porzingis or whatever the case is at center, his offensive rebounding is insane and his putbacks are insane. And he's a pretty solid passer for what he does. Like he's not great, but he's a solid enough passer to do that. So like you are, I, I said before that he, he's like, a, he's an offensive stop in, in, in that sense of the word, but he is an incredible offensive facilitator in what he does. And that was shown in the Cleveland series um, ad nauseum, right? So if he can continue to do that, I don't really know how, how much more he can grow in that area. He's kind of like amazing at, at that stuff. But if he can score a little bit by whatever way that that is, whether it's like having a baby hook or it's increasing your free throw percentage by 15 points when it's dog shit to, to like 60 to 65 or something like that. That's, right. <laughs> that's gigantic. Like it really is. Yeah. And and if, if you can see that, that's a reasonable expectation of what you can expect out of Mitch. I don't want to see him pulling a three the entire season um, or anything like that. But if you could just see something like that, that impacts winning tremendously. Yeah. And the depth of the position is fantastic with Hartenstein and yeah. Sims who both can clearly play Hartenstein can Hartenstein could start on yeah. this team. Right. And a you wouldn't really feel, yeah, you wouldn't feel poor about it at all. I think he's one of those people who's bounced around and you know, the NBA sharps around the league have always liked Hartenstein. And last year he proved exactly why here in New York. All right. So let's go to the stars then. Jalen Brunson obviously just jumped on off the screen last year, put up numbers no one expected. Even you know myself, who was high on Jalen Brunson, tried to weather people's expectations. I said, don't expect 24 points and six assists. Expect 18 points and five or six assists with efficient scoring and really pulling this offense together. But he went off and scored 24 points a game the entire year. Didn't have many lulls. He got injured for a short period of time. He was a monster last year. 
Is there any expectation to expect anything different, or do you think that's who Jalen Brunson is? Is he an all-star guard who's going to put up 20-plus every night? I mean, I think it was a travesty. He wasn't an all-star last year, um, or all-pro. I think he should have been either or both. Um, Randall got it, but the guard the guard category is just more full, I guess, than the, the forward category. Yeah, I mean, he could have he got an all-star nod at the very least uh, for where oh, he Oh, that for sure. Yeah. Um, I... I mean, I expect what I got out of him last year. I don't expect him to do much more. But again, one of those things, I think the Knicks expect more out of him. There, may, there was reports all the time that like the, the, and that there's just more that they're going to get out of him. Another year in the offense, two more Nova guys, plus, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, I guess not two new ones, but because uh, Archie Diacono was there. But, um, but Hart being there for a full season, they played incredibly well together. They know each other. They're best friends. We all know that. DiVincenzo, I think he officiated his wedding or something like that. Oh, no, Archie Diacono did again. Uh, but they're, they're all boys. And, like, that chemistry existed very clearly when they were in college, and it's going to exist here. They all want to play with each other. And that, like, when you want to play with the guys – when you want to work with the guys that you work with, it makes all the difference in the world. Like, it, it makes the job fun, and, and that changes what you see on the court. So – um, I expect him to, at the very least, do what he did last year and get more recognition for what he did this year than he did last year. Um, but I, I do think there's more room to grow. I mean, the guy's like, what, 26? Uh, and he's still young, and you know that's not the prime yet. And another year in this offense, you know, he came in and he had to run the entire offense by himself for the first year really ever doing that in a full season like that, and he kicked ass at it. <laughs> and... Um, you know, you got a full year with more chemistry on this team. You have the consistency back, which I have to think really benefits point guards when you know where everyone's going to be and know what they're going to do. So there's a chance like maybe, yeah, maybe his points number probably is static, but his assist number might go up, right? His turnover rate might go down, um, whatever the case is. In this particular case, I wouldn't even mind if his point total went down a little bit sure. if the assist number went up. Yeah. Right? If he went from 24 to 21 points per game, but he went from six to seven and a half assists, and Barrett's doing more, and Grimes is doing more, and Randall's playing really yeah. well, you're not going to be upset that his point total went down. I think last year people were waiting for the other shoe to drop with him in that first like few months of the season, and by the All-Star break, people go, oh, I think that's just who he is. right? Like I, I think that's just who Brunson is. He's going to score 20-plus points a game and be the mainstay and realistically the leader of this offense because we thought it was going to be Randall and Brunson would be number two. And pretty quickly, and then throughout the rest of the season, we saw Brunson was really the number one we needed. I think you have a more mature take than most Nick fans would have. the The year like when Randall had a bad year, he was still at, he was still at like twenty six points and like nine rebounds. Yeah, and it, of course, but like the efficiency and the winning plays were down. Yeah, I think that was a that was a poor roster construction that year and everything like that. But I just yes. I think that I think the New York fans that's. You know, we're very good in a lot of ways or really crappy in a lot of other ways. And I think that you do see the counting numbers go down. Fans will get angry. Fans will not rationalize. Out there it. winning. Sure. That's fair. That's a very good point, too. That's that's also a very fair point. Right. Because, like, if if his points are down and Barrett's not doing more and Grimes isn't doing more, then yes. And they're, like, a 500 team at an all-star break, then, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. But if they're on expectation to win 49 games and his points are down a couple, then, I mean, I think people are going to be like, it's working. It's working. That's, right. So I, I think, I think it's reasonable to believe. And, and I'm glad that in the playoffs, he stood up to the Mitchells and the Garlands and, and did his thing because it was really easy to say, Oh, we love Brunson, but he's not on the level of Mitchell. 
he's not on the level of uh, Jalen Brown, even though they don't pay, play the same position. And then he just consistently did the same thing throughout the entire year. And it's like, oh, maybe we have to put him on the same level as Trey Young. Like if you were starting your team today for this season, you're probably picking Jalen Brunson over Trey Young, even though the counting stats are better for him. And the, uh, the skill set is more impressive by Trey Young, right? And even Donovan Mitchell for that matter. I think right now, if you polled NBA fans, I think Brunson would be probably right behind Donovan Mitchell and above a Trey Young just because of the narrative and what he accomplished last year. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not trying to spin zone or anything, but I think that that, that, that playoff experience ending the way that it did was super duper valuable to a lot of the people that it meant, like it meant the most to Brunson, like did not, was not shitty in that heat series at all. He was incredible. Let's not forget that. Like he showed up in both series and was really, really good the entire playoff run too. Right. And I think for, for that, that adds a lot more confidence uh, in what they're going to be doing this year. And again, add that with the the chemistry. I just, I I do expect, I expect big things out of him. There's certain other people that I also expect. And there's some other people that I think are going to take down ticks, but I mean, if you expect him to do what he did last year and then just increases like his assist numbers a little bit and, not be a sieve, uh, a sieve on, on, on defense as he tends to be outside of his charges and everything like that. That's a monumental win right there. Agreed. So on to Julius Randle, sure. which Randle are we getting? So end of last year, we didn't necessarily know how healthy he was. Turns out he wasn't healthy completely there. Got work done over the summer. He's all good. Randle's back, seemingly happy to be here and smiling his way through New York with the ups and downs over the past couple seasons. Which Randall are you expecting, Alec? Are you expecting all-star, all-pro Randall? Or are you expecting salty Randall? I don't see him being salty. I think he likes to win, dude. You know, and 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 winning fixes everything. His teammates love him by every account. Nobody's ever had a bad thing to say about playing with Julius Randall in the league. I don't, as far as I can remember, even when he was on the Pelicans or the or the Lakers, even Kobe liked him, and Kobe hated everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think if he's happy, that means we're winning, and that's it. And I get it too, because you know what? He is, whether it's fair or not, he is the face of the team when they're doing poorly and Brunson's yeah. the face of the team when they're doing well. So he gets the shit end of the stick and I get it. You know, like I, I think he learned, a, I think he does learn from his foibles. I don't think he just does the same thing over. He's not Kevin Durant. You know, he's not like Jalen Brown. He doesn't do things over and over again, but he gets a rap that he does when he hasn't, he didn't do anything last year. Last year he was, Awesome. Not just like on the field, on the court, but like, you know, interacting with fans during media and everything like that. Um, I think he learned a lot from that two years ago. And I think he, I give him a lot longer release than most Nick fans do. He is the reason that we change the culture around by far. So uh, I'm happy to, I think he'll be happy here. I think we're going to win this year uh, more often than not. And I think that's going to fix the culture over here. And there's not going to be a lot of finger pointing or yelling at the fans or whatever the case is. And I've given you credit in the past. I'll do it again. You were instrumental last year. I think I forget who was on the show with us. Was it, was it Pat Boyle? It might've been Pat Boyle, me, you and him perhaps talking some, some Nick stuff and him and I were very negatively speaking on, on Randall in that particular instance. Cause what really puts the Knicks in, in nefarious situations is when Randall or Barrett want to play hero ball. Yeah. Right. That's when it's really frustrating to watch the offense, especially late in games where it's tight and you're seeing Randall and Barrett dribble, 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 take bad shots and they lose or turn the ball over or whatever. 
that's the most frustrating part. And you kind of put it back into perspective. Like the Knicks aren't here without what Randall accomplished. Yeah. Like they really aren't where they are today as an expected five seed in the East, which we haven't said in who knows how long, <laughs> right? Without his performances over the past couple of years. So it's important to put that into perspective. And also I agree. It's important to remember he is the first one we finger point to perhaps to some of his own fault uh, when they do you know, come up short. So I, I kind of agree. I think he's going to be just as good as he's been from an output standpoint and more happy than he's been in years past because I think yeah. it's pretty clear now that if he thought he was 1A and Brunson was 1B last year, like they're both 1A now yeah. or Brunson's 1A and Randall's 1B and he's going to accept that now when last year it seemed a little bit tougher for Barrett and Randall to accept that because they wanted to get their numbers, they wanted to get their shots late in games, and that doesn't seem like it should be as big of an issue this year. Yeah, and, and I think also part of it too is like where Randall has gotten into the most issues is when he has been forced to play hero ball too, right? It's not yeah. like it's not just an as a, a level of hey, he's a selfish ball player where he wants the ball in his hands even though he has no clutch scenery. Like who else was there? There was you know was it going to be Alec Burks? Like he was our clutch guy. You don't want Alec Burks to be your clutch guy. You just, you just don't. Even if he was having a moment at certain points, Jalen Brunson is there to share the load, and that helps. Randall's a really good passer. Randall's good at really good. Yeah, and he's good at finding those open people out there. And he's never been the guy who's like, I need the ball. I don't. I don't think from my perspective, he's the guy who has had the ball in his hands, and there has been nobody else. I don't want RJ taking the shot nine nine times out of ten. Every now and then, I like to see him. He's he, you know he had that Celtics game last year, or was it two years ago when he did that, and that was great. But I I do trust Randall more than I trust Barrett. But I trust Brunson more than I trust Randall, and he didn't always have Brunson. And I think last year he played. They both played awesome. They both played off of each other, and not only did they play off of each other, they both had down months. And when the other when one had a down month, the other one had a great month, you know, uh, and, and they balanced it out and it kept the team afloat during those those two months where one had a shitty month and the other one had a good month. Yeah, and, and moving on to now to R.J. Barrett, the last key piece piece of the puzzle here. Similarly to Randall, there's moments where you're like, all right, what's this guy's goal? What's he trying to accomplish? Who is he trying to be in the NBA? To me, it's always been clear that Randall was never going to be a Jason Tatum in this league, right? He was drafted behind Zion and John Morant, and he doesn't have the talent that those two guys ahead of him have. What he has is a tenacity and consistency that hasn't been shown through and through. Now, John Morant's a, a more unique one here just because he's sure. getting suspended. It's nothing to do with his on-court play. But Zion, obviously, unable to stay on the floor. Barrett's been super healthy. He has had that tenacity. That tenacity gets him in trouble sometimes. So he's the only piece I can see, Alec, getting frustrated with his role. He, he really is. It's the only piece that I'm nervous. He won't fully accept his role. Do you share any nerves about Barrett here? Do you think that his name is the one that gets brought up in trade rumors too much for his liking or, and, and forces him to play the wrong style of basketball? Do you say that because of just his style of basketball or because of his personality? Because I can understand the style of basketball basketball and what, you know, he does need the ball in his hands and he, you know, he's not the best passer out there or playmaker out there, but I think his personality, he has shown none of that. He's pretty cool. Calm, calm, cool and collect on the court. He's shown nothing but wanting to be here his entire career. Um, and I just don't think he's the type of person to throw a tantrum 
a la Obi did, like, you know, when all that audio got leaked and everything like that, where he gets frustrated with his role. He's a starter on a winning basketball team, and he has the opportunity to get better. Um, I don't think they're asking him to change his game. I think they're asking him to improve his game, and I and and that's what you ask anybody, right? And and that might be that might cause frustration. But to throw it back to my original thing, do you think it's his personality, or do you think it's his style that would cause frustrations? It's almost hard to separate the two because I think his personality bled into his style last year. In years past, I never felt like he was an unwilling passer. And last year, I felt he was a bit of an unwilling passer. And that means blinders to the rim. And I don't want to take away from the fact that you need him on this team to be an aggressive attacker, yeah. to get to the hoop, to finish with that freaking left hand, which is the one that he only reuses anyway. He's doing it in the preseason. <laughs> he has some really nice He's, finishes with his right hand this preseason. I, I hope so because – and this was another thing, Alec – Every single year of R.J. Barrett's career, up until last year, I felt there was a clear increase in skill and or something that he added to his repertoire every year that made him better. Last year was the first year I didn't think he added something to his bag. I thought he just added aggression to his scoring output. Mm-hmm. Right? He didn't regress. He just stayed the same. No, I think he, he regressed. He regressed what from like an efficiency standpoint? Yeah, substantially in an efficiency standpoint. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah, I guess a regression would make sense. Then I, I meant from like what he was trying to do on the court. Got it. Yeah, like he was just doing more of the same. So which led to the regression, right? Like those contested shots, he was one of the least efficient uh, scorers inside the paint in the NBA last year because he was taking too many yeah. tough contested shots that he wasn't making, and that's what made me nervous when. He's driving to the hoop, and you see Quentin Grimes with these great dump-offs, these yeah. great swing-outs. You see Randall make great passes. Brunson obviously make great passes. You didn't see Barrett do it as much. If he had that in his game, and again, it goes back to that idea, Randall, I'm sorry, Barrett, do you need to score 20 points a game, or can you get those assists from three to four and a half and score 17? Like To me, that makes the Knicks a better team. It doesn't make R.J. Barrett as shiny a toy or shiny an object in this scope of what the Knicks are, but it makes the team better. And that's when last year I got nervous and got uneasy where that personality of like attack, you know, hardcore competitor bled over to that style where he had blinders and just said, I need to get my shots up when I get the ball because I don't have the ball in my hand as much as I'm, I'm used to having or want to have. But I think that's exactly it though. You hit the nail on the head there, which is there was a level of discomfort with Brunson being there because the offense totally changed uh, last year because of Brunson being there. And that was not what RJ had done in his entire career. Right. And like, right. Remember he's still young. So that's the first time that he's had something like that. Right. And I don't mean that in like, Oh, he's young, forgive him. Right. But like you got, I always try to put in perspective, like me and my career, if I'm, if, if it's my first job and I'm only used to things going this way and then somebody comes in and they change how the process goes and I'm like, but we've always done it this way. And it's been good for me. And I, I've really succeeded in doing it this way and it's helped me do. And then somebody comes in, it's like, I don't know how to do this anymore. Right. So I think that's in my head, maybe that's a stupid metaphor, but I think that impacts things. Right. And I think the other thing that you didn't mention, but he's really good at getting to the basket. He's not good at Very finishing. Good. He's not good at finishing. Very bad. <laughs> but but like, how do you fix that? You can't give up. Like, that's his that's his avenue to growth is absolutely is finishing uh at the basket. Because that that's a layer that we don't have on the team outside of him. 
um, is someone who can get to the basket at that clip and, and, and do what he does and break down the defense. So then you need to get better at that point, right? You need to be able to, to do one of two things. You need to either be able to finish or kick it out. But you really need to be able to do both and balance it. So mm-hmm. that's what I think. I think that maybe I'm hoping you see that more because I think what you saw <clears throat> in the playoffs last year was a level of confidence that he had achieved that he had never really had in this league before. Um, and I think you saw it in his eyes, right? You saw it in his style of play. And that makes me excited. Um, I'm not saying like, oh, I think that there's going to be a huge leap. Like I think with Quentin Grimes, I feel more objective about that. With RJ though, I do think that there's a hope, right? And that the, there's a hope that because of like, hey, there's another year of consistency with this new offense Everyone knows each other. Everyone knows how he plays and everyone's got a role on this team. Like that's, what's so important is everyone has a piece that they add to. There's no duplicativeness, right? There's nobody that does the same thing as the other person anymore. Um, Even like Mitch and and, and Hartenstein, they they play different types of games, right? There's just nobody that does the same thing. I think that's really helpful because all of those pieces work together. If you can um, emphasize those positive qualities. So, all that being said, I'm excited to see RJ if he's as confident as I think he is to do things. I think confidence and playing hero ball are not the same thing, right? Like th- those are just very different things. And I think when he's confident and he knows what he's doing, then he could be a really dangerous guy to, to, to play against, you know? And, and I, I, I think that's always been the hope with him. And then if he could have a decent three ball, nobody's asking him to mm. shoot 45%. No, nobody's expecting that. But if he can shoot league average, and keep the defense honest and then, you know, be able to, to, to do a pump fake to drive to the hoop. He's still got so much, he's got such a high ceiling. He really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've never knocked his character, his work ethic. Yeah. Like I'm not going to start now. Right. And and now hopefully he does add that thing to his game this year that he didn't add last year. And that, and that changes the whole game. And I'll be interested to see from a rotation standpoint, who is that first guy out of the rotation, right? Because quickly is the quintessential six man. Obviously, Josh Hart's going to get a ton of burn. Is it going to be now instead of Barrett being the workhorse 40 minutes a game guy that he's been for so long, maybe Barrett's the first guy to come off the, the starting five and you insert Josh Hart and then Barrett comes back with the second unit where he can get a little bit more, you know, frisky yeah. with some ball handling because you do need that aggression. And I think their team was at their best last year when they coupled the Randall and Brunson uh, playmaking and shot making with the Barrett aggression. So yeah. that's the key to success there. So let's play the game now, Alec. Let's play my favorite game. I wish we can do it all year long, but realistically it only makes sense before the season starts. We're going to see where the Knicks lie in this Eastern conference. I'm going to start peppering you with some teams and you're going to start telling me if the Knicks are better or worse in your eyes. All right, here we go. Pretty easy one to start. Better. Bucks, Celtics, couple. <laughs> I'm going to couple the Celtics and the Bucks together and just assume that we're on the same page. Those two teams are the uh, favorites in the sure. East for a reason and clearly above the New York Knicks. Fair we enough. We can agree on that, right? Agreed. Okay. Let's go down to the bottom now and we'll come back into a middle area. Does that sound fair? Sounds fair. The Detroit Pistons, Washington Wizards, Chicago Bulls, Knicks are all better than correct. Hundred percent. All right, we're still on the same page. All right, the Charlotte Hornets, the Orlando Magic, and Indiana Pacers. Perhaps any of those teams stand out as as risers in the East that can 
be in that five six range or no? I think definitely risers there from like the magic. I I, I expect to to get better. I don't think they're four or five six at this point though. I think the year after okay. that, I'm a little worried about them. Yeah, uh, I think the Pacers are in that same ilk as the Magic right now. I love Halliburton. I really like Matherin. Um, I, I don't Obi, think they're ready to, they to make Obi's a splash. They got Obi's and I'm not worried about it. <laughs> for, some, for some reason, Obi looks so awesome in their uniform, too. Yeah, I kind of hated seeing it. It's the it. hair. He looks, he looks so cool. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sucked to see it, but yeah. it was cool. I'm rooting for Obi. It's all good. So, yeah, so now we got checked off the box. The Knicks are not as good as the Bucks and Celtics. They are better than the Pistons, Hornets, Magic, Wizards, Pacers, and Bulls. Now things get interesting. We go to, I'm going to start off with the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are a team, Alec, with some talent. They have Pascal Siakam, who is a top-end guy. Uh, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, another season. Raptors resurgence in your eyes no, here, or do you still think the Knicks are in a different class? Especially because they're selling off assets this year. They're, they're going to have a fire sale at the trade deadline. They're, gonna, they're not even going to be a play-in team. We thought they were selling off last year. They have no and choice. They, didn't. they have no choice. They're going to lose people to free agency. They're going to lose uh, OG to, to free agency for nothing if they don't sell them this year. Oh, I always hear Bill Simmons say it. OG got to make the Hall of Fame just based off his trade rumors. <laughs> I mean, seriously, this guy's been in so many rumors for every star in the league. Wait, what? Like him, or, could... him or Tyler Hero? Oh, God, the two of them, right? <laughs> we'll get to the Heat in a second here. Okay, so I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. The Knicks are better than the Raptors. Um, this one, this one's tricky, and I'm kind of basing this off last year's standings, not based off of my current power rankings. Let's talk about regular season, okay? And we'll talk about the Miami Heat. Okay. They're a weird team. They're a weird franchise. They lose Gabe Vincent. They lose Max Struess. Um, they do bring in a few different folks, as well as uh, a new role for second-year player Nikola Jovic. They bring in Josh Richardson, who's going to start the year hurt. They have a full year of Kevin Love and Caleb Martin in the uh in the mix here and rookie Jaime Jaquez, but obviously they still got uh Jimmy Butler, Dan <clears throat> Adebayo, and the aforementioned Tyler Hero. Regular season standpoint, Alec, Knicks, Heat, what class are they in? How close? Who's better? I just love that you said they get they get a full year of Kevin Love, who is like collecting social security <laughs> next year. What are we talking about here? He was important for them last yeah, year in the playoffs. Again, he's I, I think we got a little bit of a, pl- a flash in the pan last year with that kind of thing but sure anyway um they're not relying on him but you know he does stuff we're talking strictly regular season right that, that's all i think the knicks are a better regular season team i i just don't think that there's a level of urgency with the heat until they have to put on a level of urgency whether it's to make sure that they uh, secured a spot in the playoffs or they uh you know uh, whether it's in the playoffs i mean even they lost their first game in the play-in right i mean like <laughs> they did not have a sense yeah. of, they just don't have a sense of urgency because they know and there's all teams that have been to championships or won championships know is that you don't have to turn it on to the playoffs, right? And the, once you get that level of maturity, that's who you that's your new floor, right? Knicks don't have that, yeah. but uh they 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 can't afford to have that mentality just yet. They cannot, yeah. And they don't have Jimmy Butler, right? So as great as Brunson and Randall right. have been, they do not have a Jimmy Butler who has proven it over and over again to be that dude when it comes down to it. The Heat's <clears throat> over under for reference is exactly the same as the Knicks, 44 and a half is minus 120 on the over, 45 and a half is plus 100. So basically the same exact thing as the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm in agreement. I think for regular season, the safer bet is the New York Knicks. I didn't mention this team yet, the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's pretty obvious. The Knicks are, are better regular <coughs> season and just in general than the Nets, right? We can agree on that. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. 
How about the Atlanta Hawks, Alec? Uh, weird team last year, exactly 41 and 41. You look through their roster, and you obviously see Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. You see Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongwu, who just got a big contract. Bogdan Bogdanovich is still there. They bring in Patty Mills, who people are hoping can help sure up some of their offensive woes last year. Sadiq Bey got traded midseason. He's still back. Can the Hawks resurge? Can the Hawks surge back into being one of these teams in the East who who also expects to be in that four, five, six range? I actually worry more about them in the regular season than I do in the playoffs. I don't think they're like going anywhere mm. in the playoffs. I think the Heat have had a culture problem very clearly for a number of years now. The Hawks. I'm sorry, the Hawks have had a culture problem for the past couple of years very clearly. I think Quinn Snyder is a really good coach, and, and mm-hmm. I think that's the X factor there. And I think he's someone who can bring a level of – uh, normalcy and calmness to that team, which is exactly what they need. And that worries me a little bit. That being mm-hmm. said, they're not winning. They're like in the tier of the Knicks, in my opinion. Like they're not winning a championship okay. this year. I think they're slightly below. I do think the Knicks have edged them out on talent. Um, but like they do worry me. Like I could see them being a game or two ahead of the Knicks in the standings at the end of the year. I don't expect it, but I wouldn't be surprised. I was going to say I was surprised that you felt highly on the Hawks, but then you mentioned Quinn Schneider, and that's one of the main reasons I'm also high on the Hawks. Definitely make me nervous uh, in the standings race. I think that they are a team that should be in the playoff and not the play-in mm-hmm. this year. Anything less would be a huge disappointment. Uh, but there are six seeds in the East that will make the playoffs uh, not via play-in. And I think the Hawks and Knicks, like you said, are more likely safe bets to be in the playoffs rather than the play-in than the Heat, mm-hmm. uh, even though the Heat are the Heat and the Zombies and we can't count them out for whatever yeah. reason. I don't trust them to do it all year long I agree with you. for whatever reason either, even though they had 44 wins last year. So they were the uh, better team on the regular season than the Hawks last year. We both expect the Hawks to be better. To, to go back- All right, so the Hawks... Oh, go ahead. To go back to the Heat, though, like you, you mentioned the losses that they've had. That's the last team that I worry about with losses. You know, like they... I'm sure they, they weren't expecting anything out of Max Struess and Gabe Vincent before they turned them into Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, you know? They will find <laughs> the next random guy off the street and turn him, them into deadly three-point shooters. It's just what the Heat Caleb did. Caleb Martin. Exactly. It's just what they did. And so, like, that's a lot. That's like a net-net loss because what's that What's that rookie they had, Jaime, whatever his name is? Like, that guy. Jaime Jaquez, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that guy is going to shoot 40 45% from three during the playoffs <laughs> next year. I guarantee you he will. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I actually like. I agree. I disagree, and it still makes makes me think they're going to win forty two games in the in the regular season. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing matters in Miami until it uh, until it matters. Exactly. I guess. All right. This is the two. There's only two teams left. So right now we kind of agree that they're better than the entire Eastern Conference outside of the Bucks and Celtics. But we have two teams left here, and we think they're both about even with the Hawks. The final two, regular season. Let's start off with the team the Knicks beat in the postseason in the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers bring back a lot of the same dudes. They still got Mitchell and Garland. They still got Mobley and Allen. They still have a weird situation uh, with their their uh, their small forward, but they bring in Max Struess. Can Max Struess be Max Struess outside of Miami is the question because that hasn't always gone well when people leave heat culture. Cleveland Cavaliers, regular season, Alec. Are they a better team than the New York Knicks? Exclusively for regular season, I'm going to mm-hmm. say probably. I'm not going to say yes. I'm going to say probably. With like a little bit of a 
my head's going this way, as I say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think objectively the Knicks are a better team. Like, for sure, I think the Knicks are a better team. I think that the Cavs don't play with their food as much as the Knicks tend to do sometimes. And they don't play down to their – they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. That's just – that's what they did mm-hmm. last year. But they don't have depth at all. I think that there's going to be a sh- – and, and additionally, I think there's going to be a shakeup on that team. You can't do what you did last year. You have to move on from Jared Allen. That team does not work together, um, at, l- at least in the way that they – In the playoffs. Yeah, and which is what – you know, you don't make the moves that they did unless you're intending to go to the playoffs and to win a, uh, win right. a championship. They're not winning a chance. Their ceiling was where, where they were last year. They, they hit their ceiling on their first go of it. Um, but regular season, I think that they're probably going to ha- probably be a game ahead of us in, in the standings. Okay. I think that they're the most safe bet for the three seed in the Eastern Conference. Wow. I don't hate yeah. that because I think that means you and but, I are going to be on the same page for the next person because I didn't think we would be the next team. I think we agree, though, that – they're a better regular season team than a postseason team. Here's the wrinkle, though, Alec, that you didn't bring up. You mentioned earlier in the very, very open of this podcast that you think this might be the year the Knicks pull the trigger mm-hmm. to make that next step move. Mm-hmm. Cleveland has Donovan Mitchell, who may not be long for Cleveland. That's not the move. If the Knicks wanted to make that move, they would have made that move. You know who is the move fact? is. Just speak it into existence. You know what the move is. You know what it is. I don't know what you're thinking of. I don't think I'm thinking of what you're thinking of. You, There's one person that the Knicks will throw everything at to get, and that person might be coming on the market soon. Okay. Let me go to the next team. We'll is. revisit this in a second. Uh, is that who you think it is? I, I, you think it's Embiid? I think I think he's getting moved this offseason. You think it's Embiid? I mean, not this, I think he's this offseason? I'm season. sorry, this season. I think he's getting moved at the trade deadline. I think it's going to be a dumpster fire this year. With Harden, uh, and you, they they cannot afford to lose Harden. They just can't. Like they can't afford to lose Harden, and that's going to be a wacky situation that's going to go throughout the the season. And um, we know how Harden is with this kind of stuff. We saw it w- with Houston. We saw it in Brooklyn. We know how he's going to be. He's going to be a, a clown show. And I think Embiid wants to win. He has made it very clear he wants to win. And he wants to win wherever that is, and he doesn't really care if it's in Philly or not. He's been making for the past uh. two years. He's been making a lot of comments about it. There are th- uh. there are like three teams that can make a, a reasonable package for Embiid in the league. And yes, uh-huh. you might say, "Oh, well, the Sixers don't want to trade in division. They recently made a blockbuster trade within the division to get James Harden." So that uh-huh. that theory gets thrown uh-huh. out the door. The other teams are like the Thunder. The Thunder aren't going to make that move. They that doesn't match their timeline at all to get an Embiid when everyone else it might. They're so good. Yeah, but they're like twenty one. Their average age is like twenty one years old. They, they haven't. Right. They're not there yet to make that kind of move. If if Embiid goes out there, this is what you stockpile for. It was not throw seventeen picks at Donovan Mitchell. Look how that that worked out for 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 Cleveland. You don't do all the moves that you've been doing for the past couple of years unless you expect something to happen. Unless you expect, and now guess guess where he uh, guess where his agent is. CAA baby. What CAA? CAA yeah, baby. There you go. All right. So I didn't expect you to go here with that. We'll get to the Sixers regular season. I guess we're kind of there right now. Anyway, yeah. I have to disagree with you though, Alex. That's fine. It's it's not who I want the Knicks to go for. Do you want Donovan? I would take 
Donovan you can with get this him in free team, agency. You can just get him in free agency. You can't afford all those people. They're going to make him. You can't afford no, no, no. Donovan in free agency. No, 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 no. no, no. You're, you're, you're thinking small brain, not galaxy brain. <laughs> they are going to, they're going to consolidate their assets for a trade for a superstar, which will okay. leave them room to sign another superstar in Except- free agency. When the Knicks, when the Nick, when Donovan Mitchell is a free agent, we have cap space again. Does Randall and Embiid fit next to each I other? I actually, I've gone back and forth. I, I'm so happy you asked that question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've gone back and forth because I, I, th- there's an obvious worry with Embiid, right? Injury history uh, and playoff performance. Yeah. Like we, we, we all know that. There's, yeah. there's obviously a risk. There. Second round Sixers. Right. We all know that. And there's another worry. Like you don't want to have a Rudy Gobert cat situation. I know that they're different players, but you know what I mean? Like two or, or mm-hmm. better example next, I guess, similar. Mobley, Mobley Allen. Allen. Exactly. Yeah, you don't sure. Want, whatever, whatever one. They will play off each other very well because they're both three level scorers and be, uh, and beat and Randall. Mm-hmm. They're both really good passers and they both give a shit on defense. So this is not like, the, they're not going to sit there clogging the paint. And if Randall can do this with Mitch, who does clog the paint in the way that he plays, mm-hmm. You should be able to do it really well with the two of them there having similar-ish okay. skill sets, one of them being clearly leaps and bounds better, but they're not going to get in the way of each other. And then you add in your, – your, your, obviously, you maintain Brunson in this tra- in any trade that you would do. You don't lo- – yeah. Absolutely. You probably keep Quentin Grimes. The trade you would probably do is Mitch – uh, because you don't need Mitch anymore, and Mitch is a very tradable right. piece. Then any team would probably mm-hmm. really be happy to have him. RJ and probably IQ. I, I think that mm-hmm. I think they made that very clear with IQ not uh, giving the contract extension that they plan on trading him. And then you just give them all the picks. That's three like blue chip assets uh, that, that you're trading for for them. Uh, that's a lot more than like Donovan Mitchell got. Uh, you know, we didn't right. especially at the time. Like they didn't know that uh, that uh, Laurie Markkinen was going to be what Laurie Markkinen was. I th- everyone thought Colin right. Sexton was the the big uh, the big trade piece there. And then you could just throw all the picks you wanted them. You don't need them at that point. You're good. And then you can clear up enough room to so- – the contracts will work out appropriately Well, you will have cap space by getting rid of all of the people that you have and consolidating those assets into one person. You can sign a free agent like Donovan Mitchell when he's a free agent. Mm. Galaxy brain. Mm. Wow. Oh, man. That's pretty good. I like the way you laid that out there, and it makes sense to me. My reservations are the Knicks going for Embiid. At the time of his career, where things are more likely to go south than they were three years ago, and they were already possibly going south with injuries every year of his career, right? Like he won the MVP last year, and was that like is this his peak right now, right? So if you trade for Joel Embiid, you have to be all in on championship absolutely at this minute. But don't you think they become an all in championship contender if they if they do they do but. Do they compete with the Celtics and the Bucks? I, I think they would be much closer. And to that, I say I like what you're saying. My nerves is like I don't want to make Embiid the piece when we've seen him fail as the piece already. Can I, can I go back to what you're saying? So you're comparing him to those two teams, right? Don't you think mm-hmm. those teams have worse examples of of the of the the problem that you're worried about on those teams, like the Celtics and the Bucks? Yeah, I mean, like Giannis is pretty healthy for his career, but like. Very. Uh, uh, Dame, Dame isn't. Chris Middleton isn't. Dame has been, yeah, those 100%. You look, you, that team is, 
That's why I was shocked that Giannis just put that extension out well, recently, uh, yesterday. But, yeah, but you do that because you, he also just wants to. Yeah. he could just do whatever he wants. Right? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. You're right because I think for this year the Celtics are the better bet because of I that agree. exact reason. Middle, Middleton's been super hurt. Dame hasn't done it in the playoffs ever, and the Celtics have Tatum, Brown, Holiday, Derek White. Like, yeah, but what? But, but okay, you have Kristaps Porzingis in a picture of health, had his best injury prone. injury prone, had his best year of his career in a contract year, so. You know, say mm-hmm. you, you take that take that with, with a grain of salt. Drew Holiday ain't a picture of health either. Like a lot hinges. Like that's what you have to do. You just have to do it when you want to be a championship contender. You have to take calculated risks like that. And I'd rather take a calculated risk on an Embiid than a Donovan Mitchell. Than a Mitchell. You know what I mean? Well, you didn't tell me who you, who I actually want to take the calculated risk on. Who? I did ask you. I didn't say so it. Tell me. Luka Doncic, baby. Uh I don't. Hot take, I don't think Luke is a winning player. I don't think he'll ever be a winning player. I think he is, at this point of his career, done more playoff success than Joel Embiid. So you, you let's explore this a little bit. I, I like the train of thought. You get Luka. We already know that Luka and Jalen can't function the way that we want Jalen to function. Mm, I don't know about that. He didn't. He plays it. He played a totally different style of basketball in Dallas with Lucas because he wasn't allowed to play anything else right, at the time. Right. He wasn't proven to be that guy. Okay, yet. but Luca is now Luca joins Brunson's team, and then it becomes Luca's team because he's the, one of the best players in the world. But Brunson has a mainstay in that rotation system, usage rate, etc., because of what he's earned and proven already. Whereas. Back in Dallas, I think it's a weird dynamic. Brunson didn't earn that yet. He didn't earn it yet. I know, but I, I get what you're saying. But I don't think you could like. I just I don't think you could. Put I just the... think people are discounting Luca for the last year of his career, like the, the most recent season, because they didn't even make the playoffs. Even yeah, though we, they basically we, we tanked can't at the wait. End there. We can't wait for Luca either. Like the timelines are. You can't. That's that's really what it is. But that's why I'm saying I don't. I just think I want to stay. I think I want to stay away from Embiid. I think that's what it is. Yeah, but you I'll have just say to. Ca- it. I think I don't want chips, and you have to. Like this is kind of. The, I know. Like I feel, I, I honestly like I, I'm not. Listen, I'm I'm not a fucking expert here, but I feel like in my dumb brain, this is the year they have to cash in. Like you can't. This is the time to make the move, or else you start to go towards the other side of the exactly. Window. And you don't want you don't want to just. I get what, I get what you're saying. It may not be this year. Maybe this off season though. Because yeah. let's talk, let's talk about the Sixers then. Before we get ahead of ourselves, which you already did. Sorry. Let's talk about the Sixers quickly. Say Embiid doesn't get traded, and. The Knicks get Embiid, right? So say Embiid's on the Sixers the entire season. Are they a better regular season team than the next this year? I don't think they are. Or do you think they're falling apart? They're falling apart at the seams. I think I think there's too much drama. Uh, Listen, where I agree with you, they're not going to be like they're not going to be like a ten seed. Like nobody's expecting that. But I could see them being like where where the Nets were, like fighting to keep that six seed at the end of the uh, at the end of the year uh, this year. Like when when everything fell apart and like things get dismantled and it's a you just like a tailspin to try to get out of it and just stabilize things to get me to the playoffs for all the garbage that James Harden brings to the franchise, right? All the extracurricular BS that comes with what he's doing at the current moment in time. You cannot discount how good he was last year. Yeah. Like he really was awesome. And Joel Embiid gets the MVP. I think that was to the detriment of their playoff success because of the way they pushed it. And he scored 33 points a game and he took all those freaking shots. He was taking, you know, uh, almost 12 free throws a game last year and 17 attempts or not. That's just two pointers. 
he was taking 20 attempts from the from the field every single game plus 12 free throws like the grind on him was too much last year you saw it come to fruition in the playoffs didn't work out James Harden also partially fell apart in the playoffs partially was the only reason they were in the series right so for all the bs that James Harden did uh, or is doing currently he was one of the best players in the league last year he didn't make an all nba team but he was a top 25 player last year he led the league in assists he shot efficiently he scored 20 a game he had two games in the playoffs that he won as the best player on the team, right? So I, I need to say that because if you think Harden's going to be a disaster, not you, Alec, you general, if you think Harden's the disaster that's going to blow up this team and he's going to be the reason that he gets traded and and like what are the Sixers going to do, you have to also take into consideration that he was a huge reason why they were so freaking good last year, right? So I, I think those two things are very much connected to each other. They won 54 games last year. James Harden was awesome in about 60 games that he played last year. Okay. So I, I, I agree with that. Me agreeing with you, by the way, I think it's much more reasonable to say whether Harden is going to be a sixer or not be a sixer, that their regular season is not nearly as smooth because people want to shit talk James Harden for all the BS he does. He deserves it. You cannot shit talk him for his performance on the court last year. He was a huge reason why Embiid won that MVP and half the reason why they won a few games in the playoffs and then half the reason why they lost in the playoffs. So I don't know what to do with that, but that's why I think the Knicks are a safer bet to be a better regular season I, team. I thought we were going to be on the opposite ends of that. I'm surprised. I, I don't think anybody's discounting yeah. that he was good last year. Like, I just don't think that – I really genuinely don't feel that it factors into the conversation at all. Um, we know what he can do to, like, pull the attention away from the team. That is a cancer that you, you don't want on the team at the moment, right? We yes. know that this is clearly leading into the season. He's going to play. He has to play or else he like has to retire, right? Isn't that the role that... that... He, he, well, he just starts losing money and... Yeah. yeah. So, like, you, you know he's going to play. And uh, he's going to fat suit it up or whatever the equivalent of that is uh, in, in 2023 for whatever ideas he has. And that's going to pull it away. And then there's also an aspect of, like, dude ain't young either. He's 34, right? Eventually, it's nah. going to start going down. He He... It started going down. Right. It, it, but like the, it, it clearly. And, and, but you know, you said how impactful he was last year. There will hit a point where he's not going to be as impactful. Right. And, and, and that could be this year, especially when he's not practicing with the team. He's not in game shape. Probably. Right. I'm willing to bet. He, yeah, you know, I'm, will, I'm willing to bet <laughs> he ain't in game shape, you know? So yeah, I just think that it's going to be huge. It's not not just the fact that you lose him. It's a huge, huge circus show for that team. Philly media is going to eat that up. Philly's like New York, right? And and yeah, it's not. You can get away with it in Houston because nobody cares. You ain't getting away with it in Philly. They just they still love him in Houston. Yeah, exactly. They wanted him to come back. Right. Cle- clearly, yeah. he wanted to go back. You know, that's and Ime Udoka was like, "Nah, I'm good." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I just I I think that yeah they and what I th- let me just add this real quick to add to your point I think what people are discounting is that you're going to get good enough value in return for James Harden oh no way to make sure the Sixers are as good as they were last year that's what that's where I'm betting against the but Sixers who- is that if you trade him you do not get good enough value back for him and if you keep him he's unhappy and you don't know which James Harden yeah, but you're going to what, get. What's, what's a reasonable value that he can get? I mean, who's going to take a risk on that? You, He clearly has somewhere that he's only going to want to play, which is probably Correct. Houston, right? Houston Houston or a title contender. Yeah. People say the Clippers maybe. But I don't think that either of those teams give anything enough back to the Sixers 
to be a right now fix, right? You can rebuild. Yeah. You get Terrence, Terrence Mann is like the best piece you get back from the Clippers. Like, what is that doing for the Sixers right, right it, now? He's a nice player. I like Terrence Mann, but like, what? I don't see any, like, I could see him going to one of the LA teams just because they're okay with the circus of, of it all, right? They, they, yeah, they just um, typically are. Yeah. Their stars don't play anyway, so it's right. all good. Fits, fits exactly. right Exactly, but outside <laughs> of those teams, like, what stabilized team right now wants to invite that into into their, their atmosphere? Celtics would never do something like that. Like, even if the numbers worked out, Celtics would never do something like that. Bucks would never do something like that. Knicks wouldn't do it. Cleveland wouldn't do it. Denver wouldn't do it. You know, like, the, the, you, he, he wants to go play for Houston. Houston does not have the assets to do anything for them. Uh, they wouldn't give it up because they're over a barrel right now. Right. So it, they're not giving up their only assets, which are right. like the young guys who haven't proved anything yet. Anyway, right. the Sixers wouldn't want that back anyway. So yeah, I think the Sixers are tough, and I, and that's why we agree. So right now we're actually last year. I remember we did not agree on this list who was as right? much. I was you were yeah, right. You were right. I thought the Knicks were more of a more of a six seven, and they clearly were more of a uh, four five than they were last year. I thought they were more of a, a play in, just make the playoff. Um, and I, I was wrong. So I'm thrilled to be wrong. And I'm thrilled to hopefully say we're both going to be right this year. Cause right now the, ba- the way we kind of work it out, we both kind of think they're a three to five seed and that is their ceiling floor, which is amazing. If that's the case, I just think it all hinges on the trades like this season for the Knicks. I think it could really break their way. You could find out that they're a surprise. They're a title contender, like four, three, three or four months into the season, or you could find out right. that, Hey, two, one or two teams ahead of you just got dismantled, Let- you know? Yeah. And you know what? With the way that the Celtics and the, and the Bucks are set up right now, with the with the Bucks and Chris Middleton, we know that they're not the same team without him. And Brooke Lopez being a year older and their depth not being great, they're an injury away from being gettable. Clearly, they got got last year by the Miami Heat. And the Celtics, uh, you know, they are beatable in the playoffs. They're not a juggernaut in the playoffs. They're in it every year. Obviously, the conference final appearances speak for themselves. They're amazing. But last year. When the Knicks beat the Cavs and the Heat beat the Bucks, we were sitting here in New York saying, oh my gosh, if we beat the Heat, we're in the conference championship. Who knows what happens there? It's not now more so than last year in the playoffs. It is at least a, you know, a sparkle in your eye to believe that they can make serious noise in the playoffs rather than saying if they beat the Cavs, it'll be great. Right. Right. Like now it's like if they lose in the first round, it'll be a disappointment which is a new ground, newfound territory for us Knicks fans, but it's an exciting place to be. Let's go Knicks, baby. So that's it. That's all we got. That's all we got. Over 44 and a half, I assume you're at, which is wonderful. Um, you have any outlandish predictions for anything? Do you have like, do you want to say who's going to win the title this year? Do you want to say who's going to win MVP? Do you have anything my, I, just spicy to say goodbye with here? I, I, I'm just going to stick with my Knicks get Embiid this, this, this season. That's, that's spicy enough. I know it's being like floated mm-hmm. around, but like I'm, I'm confident that this they're going to make it work. Nuggets back to back champions. Okay, that's not spicy at all. <laughs> that's the just throwing you the, can't, on a podcast. No one can hear me, but I'm throwing three to the dome right now, just for my for boy his It's not that take. spicy, but it's surpri- <laughs> it's surprisingly spicy. Like I listen to a, a weird amount of NBA media and and whatnot, and like no one's picking them to win the championship, man. Who are they picking? The People Celtics? just aren't picking. They're picking the Celtics. They're picking the Bucks. They're picking the Lakers. Ew. They're picking uh, the Warriors. Like they're picking the Suns, and the Nuggets are here and just being like, "Yo, don't sleep on me," or like, "I dare you. 
I dare you to continue to sleep on Nikola Jokic. How can you be underrated as a two-time MVP champion? It's happening again. I, I have a, I have a spicy take. I have a spicy take. Give it to me. Play-in team is going to be a like like the tenth like tenth seed or something like that is going to be the Magic. Magic get out of the play-in to go into the into the playoffs. I love it. I think the two most exciting teams for me that are irrelevant are the Magic and the Pacers. Super exciting. I don't. I, I, I love Halliburton. I love Halliburton so much. Still sad the Knicks didn't pick him. But well, the okay. guy we picked is playing with him, so. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that made it even worse. And when, when Halliburton throws uh, Obi Toppin an alley-oop in the opening game, I'm going to be even more sad. Yeah, I mean, I love the Obi dude, but, like, he, he – yeah, It, is, it is. He's fine. He's not that – He's not. I'm, that I'm happy for him. He wouldn't have played – he's going to play over there. He's going to get his – his vanity stats, they're going to do nothing. And like, he can't play defense and he, yeah. he has no game. <laughs> yeah. No game. No, no, no juice, but at least he can shoot now. Yeah. Bit. All right. That's all we got. All right. Subway sports talk for Alec Argento. I'm Peter Kennedy. Gang gang. It's been a great one. Nick's preview. The NBA season is here. Give me a giants jets prediction uh, before we giants go. lose by two touchdowns. Oh my God. You are, you've changed. You've changed. Subway sports talk. Giants win by three. Cheers. <laughs>